0: Morning, North Ave. A couple things, real quick. Um, it was Veterans Day, so if we got any veterans here, um, I'd like to have you stand up. Or if you're active or reservist, please stand up, so we can thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Second thing I'd like to ask uh, that you keep Pastor Jeff and Tori in your prayers. They're going through a difficult time with Tori's uh, mom and her dad and that whole situation. Jeff and Tori are so faithful to pray for all of us. It's our turn to give that back to them. And let's be in prayer for them, for God to move and God to be felt in this time of needs. So today I want to bring you a message called Followers or Disciples. We're going to take a look at the differences and the similarities between the two and see if God will reveal his word to us. But first, join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. Your word tells us where two or three are gathered in your name, you're in our midst, so we know you're here. I ask that the Holy Spirit move, move freely here to reveal your truth today. Lord, take my words, my thoughts, get them as far away from me as possible and speak through me, your servant, who loves you. Amen. Jesus called disciples to follow him. I want us to look real quick at three verses so we can visually see this. In Matthew 9.9, 9, it says, As Jesus passed from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. Then in John 1, it says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and found Philip and said to him, Follow me. And Mark, the first chapter, 16 through 18, said, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. And they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I'll make you, or I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. This follow me back in Jesus' day is different meaning than what it has today. Different times, different culture. Follow today in our age that we live in is a little bit different. We follow people on social media and Facebook and Twitter and all those different platforms. And we follow people because we like them or we like the cause that they represent. But they don't ask you personally to follow them. There's a button you can touch and you can follow them. And we follow entertainers and sports people and anybody else we want to follow. But we choose that. They don't ask us direct. And we will follow them until we get bored, until we find somebody better, until they make us mad. And then we unfollow them. When Jesus talked about this, when Jesus said, follow me, he was using his dialect, his Aramaic word, that was "lakakarai," which means imitate me, do as I do. That's different than our decision just to follow somebody. Imagine if those people we follow, an entertainer or a sports figure says, do as I do, and it's a singer I say, I can't do that. I can't hit that note. I can't follow you. Or the athlete, and I say, I can't do that. I can't throw a football 65 yards. I I can't do that. But Jesus is saying, imitate me. Come follow me. And we look at that, and we say, that's different for us to really follow, to be all in, to follow him. It takes time and effort to imitate somebody. And we imitate them to try to be like them. But some of us, as Christians, we do impressions of a Christian. We do an impression of following Christ, but it's not all there. It's kind of surface. It's not deep. So this impression that we make, how does that come across? How does it look like? Today, I want to do a couple impressions for you. Are you game for that? Now, when I prepare a sermon, my normal uh, way I prepare is before I come out here on a Sunday, I run it by Wendy and I practice it for, and she gives me feedback. When I got to this part, she's like, "Huh? huh? What are you gonna do?" Because I'm not a paid impressionist, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, okay? And I have great expectations for this. All right, I'm gonna let you see my notes here. They're gonna come up on the screen. Do impressions. Wait for thunderous applause and laughter to die down before continuing. <laughs> that is my expectation today, okay? Here we go. First one. You ready? You in, the, you in this? Come on. You gotta help me here. All right, here we go. First one is for Sue Densham, Elvis. She's a big Elvis, Elvis fan, aren't you? All right. So you gotta get the pose, right? You may not be able to see me, but I'm quivering my upper lip. Here we go. These are real quick, so you you got to pay real quick attention. It's like that small city. If you blink and pass through it, you miss it. Ready? Here we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Last one. The grand finale. Kermit the Frog. You ready for this? Here we go. Uh, This is uh, Kermit the Frog here. I think I'll preach the rest of the sermon in uh, this voice. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's safe to say across America or the world, no one's preached and used Kermit the Frog and Elvis today in the same sermon. I think it's kind of safe to say. But we're not called to be impressionists. We're called to literally follow, to imitate Jesus. Back in Jesus' time, if you wanted to become a disciple of either a rabbi or John the Baptist or Jesus, this was a full, flat-out sellout. You lived with this person, you ate with them, you breathed with them 24-7 you were with them to try to imitate them and do as they did. Jesus wants us all in for him. Jesus was asked a question. What is the greatest commandment? In Matthew 22, 37, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This full, everything we have. That's what Jesus wants if we're going to be his disciple, his follower. But Jesus told us there would be a cost to this following, this discipleship. We find it in Luke 14, 25 through 27. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Those are heavy words. kind of goes against what Jesus taught, right? Love and care and grace and forgiveness. He's telling us to hate here. The only thing remotely in this that some may relate to is hate your brother and sister. They kind of clash sometimes, right? That's about the only thing here that makes any sense at all. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. If we see in verse 26, it says, by comparison. A good example would be Back in the day, I was a pretty good basketball player. So if I played with you, and I was better than you, you may say, boy, he's, he's really good. By comparison to you, I am. By comparison to Michael Jordan, there's no comparison. Jesus is saying this love we have for our wife and kids and that, how much we think we deeply love them and care for them, by comparison. We need to love God more. There should be no Change in that. That can't be anything else but a deeper love for him. And the disciples gave up everything for him. And anything that gets between us and God, we choose God. That is the essence of what these followers and disciples did. They chose God above all else. The disciples gave up everything to follow Jesus. Matthew that we read about was most likely wealthy. He was a tax collector, and tax collectors notoriously collected more money than they should have for the taxes and pocketed the rest. He was probably he had some money. Peter and Andrew, James and John, were fishermen. They literally left their boats, their jobs, and said, we'll follow you. And Jesus' disciples were known by those around. They weren't a secret they were known by the people around them remember peter when he denied jesus three times in the courtyard he denied him because he was confronted with hey aren't you one of his followers and he denied him people shouldn't be surprised at us if we say we're a christian that shouldn't come as a shocker to the people we work with our family and friends The disciples were certainly followers of Jesus, but not all followers of Jesus were disciples. That was a different step to become that. Some wanted to be in the area to feel the warmth of the fire, so to speak, but they didn't want to get up close to that fire and have to feed the fire, have to work at it. They just wanted to be close enough. We're told the gospel is a story of the rich young ruler. This man, young man who wanted to know what he had to do to receive eternal life in Matthew 19, 21 and 22 says, Jesus said to him, if you want to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have a treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And in another version, it says he went away sad because he had great wealth. And I think sometimes we're like this rich, young ruler. We may fear that if we follow Jesus, become his disciple, that Jesus may may ask more of us than we're willing to give up. When did we decide in our Western world here that following Jesus would cost us nothing? That is not biblical at all. It costs us something. There's a cost when we're dedicated and committed We got to be prepared for that, that this costs us something this commitment, this dedication. My best friend in the world goes to this church. I won't tell you his name, but he's 6'6 and he's married to Melinda. (laughs) But when he was a young guy, young guy, not married yet, the trunk of his car looked like a sports store. You opened it, he had golf clubs. He had a softball bag and mitt and spikes, had a bowling ball in there. He had his basketball shoes and a gym bag. So at a moment's notice, wherever he was, if someone said, hey, let's go golf, he didn't have to run home and grab his clubs. They were right in his trunk, and he could go. And he could golf or or bowl or whatever it was. He had committed to that lifestyle. He was a single guy. He was doing what he enjoyed doing. And he was committed to live that way until something better came along in the form of Melinda. Then he traded his trunk full of sports stuff for a van with a hatchback with a stroller and a diaper bag in it. (laughs) Willingly, it cost him something. He gave up that at a whim, I can go do whatever I want now and I can go do one of these sports to... There's a cost. I shouldn't be doing that now. I got a wife, and later on, I got kids. This becoming one with the wife that he has and being the leader of his house and a good father and husband, it cost him something. He had to give up this other life, but in reality, it cost him nothing. He gained much, much more. We have to do that. If we want to lose some weight, we can't continue to eat the junk we eat. We can't lay on the couch. You've got to get up and move and exercise. It costs us something to do that. Why have we tried to put Jesus into our lifestyle if we can fit him in? It's the total opposite. He is our lifestyle, and we revolve around what he wants for us. And part of that is going to be to enjoy this earth that he's given us, the activities and the things that he created to enjoy, but at the right time and the proper time. But we try to fit Jesus into our, our already conceived lifestyle. I can't do that ministry on that night. I got That's my golf night. And I can't do this over here because that's movie night for me, or whatever we plug in and we end up saying, God, I can give you a couple hours on Wednesday, maybe an hour on Saturday. That's it. That is not being a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ because following Jesus as a disciple is much different than just being a Christian. To show up and say, I believe God and I believe he died for me. Those are all important things. But being his disciple, we go a step step farther in that. That we're okay when he says, This is what I want you to do, this is where I want you to go, we do. Jesus expected his disciples to lacagari him, to follow him, imitate him, do as I do. His disciples didn't have the academic background to be Jesus' disciples. They were commoners. They weren't trained in the scriptures. They weren't the Pharisees. They didn't go to Greek school. They had plenty of questions, made mistakes. They kind of learned on the job, so to speak. But their commitment was unwavering. They were dedicated to him. And like the disciples at times, they got misguided. Remember Peter again? He's there with Jesus as the soldiers were going to arrest him and he chops off the soldier's ear and Jesus quickly restored it. Peter thought he was doing the right thing. This is my friend. This is the Messiah. You're not going to hurt him. But he was misguided. Heart of love, trying to do good but Jesus knew why he was there. Jesus knew what he had to do and Peter out of great love and compassion was a little bit misguided. And sometimes we can be misguided as Christians. Sometimes we don't follow Jesus as much as we follow a church or a pastor. That's who we're coming for. We're coming for the music. We're coming for the pastor. Instead of coming to praise Jesus, to give Jesus all we have, Any pastor with any ounce of integrity will tell you, you don't worship me. You worship Jesus. If you see something in me that God has done in my life and I can explain that to you and help you along that path to get there, I'll be more than happy to do that. But we don't worship pastors. We don't worship men and women. We worship Jesus. And sometimes we can be a little bit misguided that way. We can be misguided on our vision, what we think it's going to look like if I'm a Christian. I'm not going to have any trouble. All the dominoes line up in the right way. Life is just great all the time. And when things happen, it's different than our perspective. We bail. I've had enough of this Christian thing. This isn't working out the way I planned. And we leave. Being a follower of Jesus, being his disciple will eventually call on us to stand on our faith to show it. Jesus told us the reality of following him. In Matthew 10:22 it says you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. He said this to his disciples, but it's true for us today. Our leader Jesus Christ the Messiah was killed for his belief what he stood on. Jesus didn't say that being his disciple would be easy to do. The disciples all lost their lives except for John for their faith. They stood up. They stood for the gospel. There's a story in Acts chapter 5 where Peter and the apostles were preaching this was after jesus was crucified and risen from the the dead but they were preaching they got thrown into jail for doing so they were told not to do go preach in jesus's name but they're thrown into prison angel comes lets them out of prison they go back to the uh, temple to lead worship and preach again jailer comes in the morning they're gone they go find them in the temple they bring them back into the court and the pharisees are beside themselves they want to kill these guys and Gamaliel, one of the wise Pharisees had a talk and told the council, listen, if these guys are doing it on their own accord, and if it's of them, it'll fail, and they'll just go on their own. It won't be a problem for us. But if it's from God, what can we do about it if it's from God? So they bring Peter and the apostles in, and we pick this story up in Acts 5, 40 and 41. They Followed they the Pharisees followed his advice Gamaliel, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them to not not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their own from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name, counted as joy. Now we may not be flogged or thrown into prison in America here for our belief in God. Maybe one day that'll come here to America. There's definitely a movement against Christianity now in the United States making it more and more difficult and confrontational to stand and speak our faith. But if that time happens, we need to stand. And we're going to have to stand upon the name of Jesus Christ and show love and grace to people, rely on the Bible and the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us as he guides us down this path that he's chose for us. Now, I'm sure everybody here is just fired up to be a disciple, right? You'll be hated, whipped, thrown into jail. You all want to sign up like now, don't you? But this is a life of joy, that we leave god has given us his spirit to be inside us to empower us to carry the journey he has for us at the general assembly that we were at uh just this past uh, friday and saturday they they talked about finishing the race well and finished with endurance and all these things because it's great joy to do what the Father's asking us to do, to see what God does in our lives and others' lives as we're obedient to what God is asking from us. This power of God is available to each and every one of us. Jesus showed us this power. His 12 disciples, and he empowered them to go do work for him. In Luke 9, 1 and 2, He says he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. That same power is available to us today. That power that God gives us to carry out the work he wants us to do. This is for all followers, all disciples, no exceptions. It doesn't matter your age, your race, creed, gender, anything. That power is available to all of us. Jesus has empowered us to do his work. And Jesus went above that. These 12 that you may think, "Boy, I'm just not one of the 12." He had other disciples and followers with him that came from all over different parts of the country there there were women in his inner circle women were not valued socially back then by that culture jesus put great value on them and brought him in to his inner circle luke 10 1 says after the lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go He sent others out, empowered them, not just his 12 disciples, others empowered to go out. Luke 10, 9, they were given this mission. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. They go out and be obedient and they return. In Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. The power that he's given us. He gives that power to each and every follower and disciple, true disciple of Jesus. It's available to us, empowering us to go do the work that God has asked us to do. There's joy, unspeakable joy, when we serve God the way he wants and has designed us to serve him. Our God is able to empower us to do what is called to do in our life. Maybe I can relate it this way a little bit better about really following and being a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of the Detroit Lions. I have been all my life. I have suffered through some of the most rotten NFL teams in the history of the NFL. I was there for the 0-16 season watching every game. Why, you ask? I don't know, but I watched them all. And now that they're good, what joy that Sunday afternoon doesn't give me an upset stomach or put me to sleep. It gives me joy to watch them as they're good now. And I can look back and say, I suffered through all that stuff to get to this point today. I follow them, but following Jesus Christ is a little bit different. If an authority figure came to me and said if you're a follower of a, the Detroit Lions I'm going to throw you in jail. If that was the new law. I don't know my commitment level is that deep. To be honest with you. I don't think it's that deep. I'd say oh, I know who they are. They're kind of good. Uh, see ya. I don't want to go to jail for that. But if that authority figure came to me and said are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you are we're throwing you in jail, I hope my commitment level would say, I'm a follower. And I'll let Jesus sort all these details out. There's a difference there. And if I can withstand following the Lions, I can surely follow Jesus Christ. They're one of the best training sessions in the world to build character following the Detroit Lions. But people are searching. They're searching for someone to follow, someone to cling on to, somebody to lead them. Why do you think all this craziness is going on in our world where people are doing the craziest things to try to be happy and find value when we have the answer within us? And we need to share that answer with others. We need to stand up. Let the Holy Spirit lead us in the right time, the right way, use the right words to show people why we live a life of joy. We'll all eventually have to make a decision if we're going to be a true follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ or we're just going to be a Christian and show up and worship and give some money and go home. Are we going to buy into this and say, I'm going to follow him and we're not going to unfollow him when things don't go right. When our prayers aren't answered the way we want. We're not going to unfollow him. When we read something in the Bible that God calls sin and we look at our life and say, that's me, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm not going to say I've had enough. I'm going to say, God, change me. Change me into what you want me to be the followers of Jesus Christ, the disciples of Jesus Christ are there for life. It's a lifetime commitment. Lak akarai, that Aramaic word that means imitate me, do as I do. There's no greater joy in life, there's no greater cause in life than to follow Jesus and let him lead where he wants us to go and be amazed at what God does in our lives and through our lives for other people. It's a joy we can't describe, we can't explain. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, now see him, you believe him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That is the life that we lead. And Jesus is still calling us today to eye, to follow me, imitate me, do what I do. He's calling us out of the tax booths and the boats of our lives and say, follow me. I'd like you all, as we end today, just to close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Really do this. Take a deep breath in. Exhale it slowly. Take a moment to silence your spirit. Now I want you to picture in your mind Jesus looking at you. Your eyes have met. He's caught your attention. And he looks at you. He looks deep into your eyes, right to your very soul. And he says, follow me. Imitate me. Do as I do. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? God, we love you. Lord, sometimes it's hard in this world with all the activity that goes on in our lives, all the noise, it's hard to hear you speak to us. I pray today you did, that you spoke to us, to follow you, to take the next step in our journey. For some here today or watching online, maybe you've never made that step. You've never said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you forgive me of my sins, I'm going to follow you now. You've heard the call, today is your day. That moving inside your spirit that says, I want to follow him. We're told in scripture that Jesus said we need to acknowledge him on, here on earth or he's not going to acknowledge us in front of the Father in heaven. So I'm asking you today, those who are here that have never said, I'm going to follow Jesus. This is your first time. If that's you today, I would just ask you to slip your hand up real quick and you can put it back down. But you're acknowledging to God, I hear you. I will follow you. And for others, you've been a Christian for years. You've been saved. You know the gospel story but you've been a Christian. And now you say, I want to follow you. I want to be like you. I want to imitate you. I want to do as you do, Jesus. Lead me. If you want to make that next step in your Christian walk, and you may have been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, but you're now going to say, I'm going to take that next step. If you want to slip your hand up real quick, just an acknowledgement to God to say, I'm ready. I am ready to make that commitment. I see hands. God sees them. Lord, for those that raise their hand, you you see their heart. They have heard your call today to give up their life for you. Lord, I ask that you move in them. Lord, let them know without a shadow of a doubt you've got a plan for them, and it's the best plan of their life. And through every step, through the highs and the lows, you are there with them. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us, and you will be with us every step. Lord, may we all ponder today what this means to follow you, to be a true disciple of you. Let us hear like Akari, follow you to do as you do. I ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you. Hope you see you tonight for the Blessings Banquet. God bless.